0: Hello, thank you for listening to and watching You at Options. This week I have um, musician, singer, history man, uh, Frank Turner on. Great conversation. He's got a new single out called um, Haven't Been Doing So Well. He's got a new album coming out uh, soonish uh, called FTHC, Frank Turner Hardcore. Go follow him on Instagram, social media, all that shit. Uh, it's at Frank Turner go follow you at options at you at options. Um, there's merch at thehandsomescoundrels.com slash shop. Um, go check that out. Uh, like comment, subscribe, all that shit. But, uh, yeah, great conversation. Enjoy talking to him. Enjoy this episode. Thank you. <laughs> Hey Frank, hi. Thanks for uh, for joining me.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man,
0: you're uh, you're taking some time out of your your now tour schedule. How's yeah. What's nice it? to be
1: on a tour. I mean, <laughs> good Lord. Also, I mean, I have to say like, um, so we're, we're being the opening act right now. And uh, it's been a while since I did a sports slot on a tour. And uh, it's it's extremely pleasant in the sense that like, you know, uh, you just kind of rock up and hang out all day and then you play for an hour and then you're done by like 8.30. Yep. Um, and you don't have to panic about ticket sales. And it's just kind of nice and there's something quite satisfying about going out in front of a crowd of people who don't know who you are and you've got an hour to kind of turn them around yeah um and hopefully if i do my job right by the end of it they're paying attention um so yeah it's fun plus of course we're out with count and crows who are one of my all-time favorite bands so um it is an honor to be on the tour
0: yeah how have you played with them before or had you hooked no i Um, I've known Adam for a
1: few years um, and uh, I mean I'm a huge fan of their work right. and um, he uh, he surprises me by apparently being a genuine fan of my work I mean you know when one musician meets another you tend to say nice things because it's just polite mm-hmm. but like he, he actually like owns t-shirts with my name written on that I didn't give him yeah. and stuff like this and uh, we were supposed to do a big tour together last summer mm-hmm. which didn't happen for obvious reasons Um, and, uh, they were decent enough to offer me kind of the reschedule.
0: So here we are. That's sick. So you're not with the full band right now. It's just you and... No,
1: I, it's me and Matt, um, uh, who is playing mandolin on this run. Um, it's a kind of duo format that we've been doing for a little while. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's cool. It's, it's more than twice as good as solo. (laughs) Let's say that. (laughs) There you go. Um, uh, but yeah no it's a good time and and it's I mean it's partly because I think that me doing my sort of full-throated punk rock thing that I do might frighten the horses uh, a little bit at Count and Crow shows uh, but it's also more I would say because um, getting the the finances and the logistics of getting into the United States right now yeah. are pretty pretty nightmarish so uh,
0: we've done what we can how is that uh, experience coming in the states um
1: the actual experience of coming in was fine it was the process of getting my visas and my permission to fly into the country sorted that was kind of a nightmare um i mean initially we were just told that we weren't we couldn't and with the tour was already booked by this point it was like oh uh it turns out there's a way around it which is essentially um, not to put too fine a point in it to bribe the US government by Ooh. paying them quite a lot of money and then suddenly coronavirus doesn't matter which I sort of have some ethical issues with but at the same time I need to work do you know what I mean right. so um, so here we are um, but it's I mean it, I, I'll, I'll say this I mean this is going to make me sound terribly highfalutin but like um, uh, it was quite pleasant being on an almost empty flight and going through an almost empty airport and it was that was a pleasant change from my previous experiences of spending my life in crowded planes and airports so that was alright and, and landing and checking in was all fine so um, and it's it's really nice to be back like I usually in a normal year we will spend like four or five months a year in the United States yeah. on the road and um, and I love it like pretty unconditionally and um, I have really 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 missed it this last 18 months
0: yeah uh, I noticed you have a new album coming out Frank Turner yes. Hardcore yes which is I love it I love the uh, <laughs> I thank love, you yeah I love your uh, the I guess you post a picture of your backdrop, the FTHC.
1: Yeah, the new design. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. We did a we did a kind of like artwork competition type thing. Yeah, I mean just to jump on the grenade before anybody gets irritated about it. Like we um, we are paying the designer who won yeah. properly. Um, And in fact, another guy to do the layouts and everything like this. There are some people who do the artwork competition thing as a way of getting out of paying. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's not what we're doing. And it's important to stress that. But um, we had like we had like 600 submissions for it. And, um, you know, some of them were just, I suspect, kind of young kids just kind of sending in their kind of um, pasta glued to a piece of paper homework type thing. Um, (laughs) uh, And, and, you know, some people were just kind of messing around, having fun with it. But there was just an absolute mountain of really, really, really good designs. And um, in a way, my one regret about doing it is that I had to sort of essentially be pretty brutal and culling through really quite excellent entries from people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it was just – and that that doesn't sit too well with me, just kind of going, no, 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 to all these great designs that – people have put some time into but um but uh the guy rob parry who won is 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 a lovely guy and a fantastic designer and that uh shot that i put up from uh punk rock bowling was the first time we've kind of one of the things i like about the designs it looks good small and it looks good big and that was the first time i'd seen it big and, it, yeah. and you know kind of walked on stage and was like hell yeah
0: <laughs> yeah did you already have the name frank turner hardcore as the mm-hmm. album
1: yeah, I mean, I've been using this FDHC logo thing for years. And it's a funny thing because, like, in the United States, people know what it is. They are, right. you know, the cross, like, MYHC or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, people in the UK seem to not know what it is. I mean, hardcore is a more obscure type of music in the UK. Really? It's def- definitely. Um, like, when I was growing up and I'd tell people I was into hardcore, they would think I meant happy hardcore, like, you know, that sort of um, bleepy subdivision of dance music, which I personally don't care for and of course when I was 16 that filled me with rage right Um, no no no. No.
0: black flag minor threat yeah Yeah.
1: Um, but so and on the very first release I did um, in 2006 I put that logo on the back it's quite difficult to have a logo as a solo artist you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so I just kind of did it as a joke and it's kind of and it's stayed on every release I've done since. And I should add that the old one will be on the new record as well. It's not We're not like re- retiring the old logo or whatever. Yeah. But um, uh, I've, it just kind of, the new record is very much a, a more sonically aggressive thing. Mm. Um, we've put out two songs from it so far, both of which are kind of in the middle of the aggression spectrum as far as the record goes so there is definitely some stuff on it that's more chill than those songs but there's quite a lot of stuff that's considerably less chill than them as well yeah Uh, and i think it's going to surprise some people and i'm quite excited about that because um you know i did i kind of entirely deliberately and by choice but the last two records i did was kind of like one of them was more of a kind of investigation of like electronic uh, instruments and pop music and stuff and one of them was a kind of a history folk record um and i think a certain kind of casual observer is kind of uh on the opinion that i've like gone off the boil or some shit and uh, <laughs> i think those people are going to be um uh corrected in their opinion when they hear the new stuff
0: yeah the, uh, the the latest single uh hadn't been doing so well it's it reminds me of like you know white reaper
1: mm it's funny you should say that. Yeah. Um and, and and uh yeah, that was definitely in the mix, so good spot.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah, the I don't I guess single guitar notes. I don't know. I don't know what it is, yeah. but yeah. Uh, so I guess growing up you said people in the UK didn't or England didn't really uh, know what hardcore was so how did you yeah. get into like hardcore music
1: um, well I mean it's kind of funny like um, you know I'm of an age that um, uh, I was kind of just about old enough to know who Nirvana were just before Kurt Cobain died um, and then the next sort of great cultural event in alternative music was Dookie and Smash mm, yeah. um, and you know and that was huge in the UK like it was over in the States as well yeah. but then and I'm, I'm sure a similar thing happened in the States as well there was a sort of filtration system went on for every 10 kids that got into Dookie and Smash maybe like 5 of them might find out who NoFX were and mm. of those 5 maybe 2 would bother to find out who Descendants were and maybe one of those would get to black flag and like it's important to say that I'm not sort of like trying to claim some kind of um, moral superiority right, for right. having bothered to kind of do the mining but just you know uh, it hit me in an age when I was kind of um, the music spoke to me punk rock spoke to me very profoundly yeah. um, uh, and you know and I was interested in where it came from because uh, you know I think one of the things was that like all of those bands from that particular round of punk rock in in the 90s were not on their first record Do you know what I mean? Mm. Dookie is not Green Day's first record and Smash is not Offspring's first record. And it was kind of like, well, what is Epitaph Records? What is this thing that has just kind of like surfaced around here, but has clearly been under the water for a while? And, um, you know, it was a combination of passion for the music. And then I think quite a stereotypically kind of male teenage sort of obsessive personality type thing. Yeah. got me into it and and you know and I, I really started mining and then it wasn't long before I had tapes with like Dead Kennedys and Minor Threat yeah, yeah. and Black Flag and that kind of thing and then uh, and this being kind of I mean not not completely pre the internet but certainly before the internet was anything like what it is now Yeah. Um, you know, I got into mail order um, ordering, so I had like the No Idea Records catalog oh, okay. from Florida, and I had the Initial Records catalog out of Louisville, Kentucky, um, uh, and you know various things like that. And I would start like, and you know, you remember distros? I mean, that yes, was yeah. a thing. Um, and you know, uh, tape trading, VHS trading, I got really into as well. And um, and then after a time, I discovered that there was a UK hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the UK hardcore scene in the 90s probably consisted nationwide of about 500 people. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, it was very, very small fry. But it was so exciting to me to discover that not only were there other people who liked this kind of music, but that they were putting on shows and they were in bands and I could go to those shows. Yeah. And the only, the only kind of um, price of entry was interest. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was like, so I remember going to my first... Actually... Funnily enough, the guy... So there was a UK hardcore label called Household Name Records in the 90s. And the guy who ran it was called Lil. And um, I actually saw Lil just the other day. We're still friends. But um, he tells a story which I don't fully remember. But he rejoices in telling the story that I went to... My first hardcore show I went to was Agnostic Front at the garage in London. And he was running the distro that night. And according to him... I went up to the merch table and said, oh, I've got £10 and I want to buy some hardcore. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and I, w- I was like 15 years old. Right. And he's, he sold, at the time, Household Name had just put out a compilation called UKHC mm. that would, had like 25 tracks on it by UK hardcore bands. Yeah. And um, and I picked it up and it was just like, it was like I discovered this kind of secret world. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, holy shit, these bands exist. And I started going to as many shows as I could at that age. Um, and just immersing myself in the scene and you know and then I joined a band right. formed a band called Knee Jerk and we played a handful of shows and I did a zine Ooh, um, if man. anybody if anybody ever discovers a copy of it I will have them assassinated by ninjas <laughs> uh, because it was literally the worst shit you could possibly imagine um, I put on a show. Uh, I put on one show because basically... Um, and it was it was mad. We put on a band called Some Factor who were a UK like emo core band. Yeah. Um, and we played, knee-jerk, we played and uh, set up the whole thing. And it, and it was like a 100-cap venue and it was full. But the guy who I'd been talking to on the phone about the whole thing didn't know when I was doing this that I was 16, um, which meant that legally I wasn't allowed in the venue. <laughs> so right. um, when we showed up for the show, he was like what the fuck and he let me play and like do the show and then he was like you'll never fucking do this here, here again yeah, yeah. Or, at le- or at least not not for another two years um, so that was the end of my promotional career but um, uh, yeah you know it was uh, it was an exciting time you know the whole DIY ethos was so um, engaging and so liberating and, and and all that kind of thing
0: yeah uh, you piqued my interest with the zine is there any can you just remember a little bit of it just a small just a um, a segment
1: well, there was only one issue of said yeah. Zine. I was super into Zine culture, and there right, was a of lot of great Zines doing the rounds at the time. There was a brilliant UK Zine called Fracture that I used to read, and then you know we'd get like Maximum Rock and Roll, right. uh, like on import and stuff like that, and Comet Bus and whatever else. And um, uh, it, the my Zine was called Paper Cuts, Hell yeah. and it was basically. Um, it was basically like 40 pages of kind of random emo ramblings. Okay. Um, but there was an interview with Guy Pachotto in there. Oh, shit. Because I, I found, this is, it was very early doors for email even being a thing, but yeah. I found an email address for Fugazi and just sent 10 questions. Yeah. And he wrote back and answered them all. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, so there was an interview with Guy Pachotto in there, but most of the rest of it was just sort of me pontificating about the world. in, 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 a, in a 16-year-old. In a quite yeah. yeah, in a, in a, in a like toe curlingly awful 16 right. year old kind of way, and talking about straight edge and veganism and all this kind of thing. Yeah, it was you. very, very au courant at yeah. the time. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, but, but put it this way a friend of mine found his copy. I don't have, I didn't have a copy of it. A friend of mine found like a, a copy of it the other day, Yeah, like, well, a couple of years ago. Um, and 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 gave it to me, and I sort of flicked through it, and nearly it like self-combusted with embarrassment. Um, so yeah, so hopefully no one will ever find this motherfucking thing. Um, but now I'm talking about it in a public forum, so I'm the idiot.
0: Oh man, it's so like. So I'm I'm 32, and so like all my teenage uh, bullshit, and like you two There's no like, uh, there's only artifacts. Like you might be able to find something. But now, yeah, yeah, sure. like, kids going through it now, it's like everything is public record, like forever. Totally,
1: totally. Um, well, yeah, and actually, but I mean, this is, we're, fuck it, we're off topic, but who cares. Like, um, I, speaking to a couple of friends of mine who are, t- who are teachers, and um, whether at high school or, or at university level or whatever, yeah. a lot of kids coming up now avoid social media like the plague, or at least Ooh. our version of it. Um, like uh, a friend of mine teaches art at a college Mm -hmm. and she told one of her students that she was great and that she should put some stuff on Instagram and the student was like are you fucking joking I don't have an Instagram account why would I have an Instagram account nobody has Instagram accounts and in her particular social media and and it's kind of interesting that I think that the whole thing not just of kind of social media obsession but of being completely awful on social media which 99% of it is these days seems to be a pretty kind of for one of a less loaded term like millennial preoccupation, and Ooh, I think yeah. that that people who are kind of a generation younger than you and I um, savvy to the fact that it kind of made all of us into pricks, <laughs> um, and uh, and and I'm very glad about that. I think that's a really yeah. good thing. Um, but I know exactly what you mean. I mean, Christ, there's there's a lot of people who's who's every kind of like idiotic utterance. I mean, Christ, there's an, there's enough. Idiotic utterances of mine floating around on the internet to keep anybody who's so minded busy for some time, anyway. Yeah. Um, and I guess the one thing <laughs> that I would say about that is that hopefully, it, I like to think it's taught me a little bit of humility and a little bit of like it taught me to pause a little bit before rushing to judgment of other people. Oh yeah. I like to think. Yeah. I mean, whether or not that's true, who knows?
0: Hey man, you're human.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's Fra- the
0: rumor. Frank, you're being hard on my friend. Frank yeah uh, yeah. it's uh, going back to I guess we can go back to to music (laughs) Uh, uh, but yeah now that we've settled that whole issue but you yeah put that to bed but you talking about it's interesting to me you talking about um, just even though like England and the US are similar in a lot of ways like the pop culture differences are so crazy like yeah um, like I remember flying to London a couple of years ago and there's like a Pet Shop Boys like live show on like the you know the the video in the headrest you can watch and I was like yeah yeah Pet Shop Boys like what oh, do they do oh then, they're incredible they're yeah. huge
1: I mean they're absolutely huge Um, and an amazing band Um, uh, sorry give me one second I just need to send a text message you're very fine. quickly sorry somebody's on the phone talking okay. to call me um, no you're good need to tell him that I got uh, no worries uh, uh, and, uh, um, sorry about that. Nah, so um it's fine. the yeah, Pastel Poison is actually an incredible band. Like I mean right. they were they are they were self-consciously kind of like pop band, um, but they also like they had they had they were laced with an intelligence. Um, I'm going to get the exact quote wrong, but there's a line on their first record which is like you wanted to find true love, I just wanted to find a job, which yeah. I think is which is a pretty vicious opening line for a song um uh but anyway uh, yeah there is so there's there are pop cultural differences i mean i think the main thing to stress is that here in the here i'm in america in the uk um american culture predominates to a a surprising degree because we all watch hollywood movies and we all watch Mm. american tv shows and like put it put it this way i knew what a prom was growing up yeah there are no proms in the UK. It's not a thing. Yeah. Or at least I, I think some places have them now because of what we're talking about here. But like nobody had a prom when I was a kid. But everybody knows what a prom is. Yeah. Um, because we all watched any American high school teen movie or yeah. whatever. And um, there's something quite strange about coming to the States for the first time. I mean, obviously, I've been to America a lot now in my life. Right. I'm very fortunate in that. But like the first couple of times you come, it's, it's quite weird because it's like you're stepping into TV or something. <laughs> um uh but kind of in a cool way yeah. the other thing as well that, that that has really informed my career as a musician is that a thing i distinctly remember from when i was playing and hanging out on that hardcore scene i was talking about earlier was that um you know we had bands there were some great bands there was knuckle dust stamping ground special move uh nine bar all these kind of bands who were really good i, I loved them all yeah but American bands would come through, whether it would be like Walls of Jericho or Integrity or like, um, uh, you know, uh, Indecision. Those kinds mm-hmm. of bands would come through and play, um, you know, our little hardcore venues, and they would wipe the fucking floor with our bands. They would be a hundred thousand times better. Yeah. And even as like a seventeen-year-old, I remember trying to analyze why this was the case, and I figured it out pretty quickly, which is that you can tour more in America than you can in the UK the UK is a small country right. and particularly when as I was saying the hardcore scene is so limited in terms of number of people there was a circuit you could do it was like five shows mm-hmm. and once you had done those five shows you played to everybody on the scene kind of thing yeah. you know what I mean and and whereas you know so a UK hardcore band could do maybe 50 shows a year at a push um, with it before you're boring the shit out of everybody whereas you know a band like Indecision would come through and they were doing 300 shows a year um, because they were touring all around the States and all around Canada and then also coming to the UK. Yeah. And, um, that combined with the fact that my Bible when I was a kid was, um, get in the van, Henry Rollins, oh, um, great book diaries. Yeah. 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 Which I, I mean, I literally used to read it like it was like religious scripture and, um, and it really, <laughs> it gave me, it gave me this desire really early on to be somebody who toured a lot, you know, And yeah. as far as I was concerned, that's what you had to do to be good. Right. Um, and it is true to a degree i mean if you do what i do every day for a certain amount of time either you get better at it or hopefully it dawns on you that it's not for you yeah (laughs) one or the other um but like you know and you get to the point of of doing that many shows and it really hones you as an artist you know and so right from the beginning of my career i've i've taught as much as humanly possible um and i think it's it's kind of defined my music and Mm -hmm. my 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 career and my art to a large degree is that I was somebody who tours a lot
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting talking to uh like English bands that come over and uh they're talking about like drive times like to the the next show and they're like if they're talking about like touring in England they're like man that's like (sighs) buddy that's like two hours away and like, yeah. <laughs> all right, man, Yeah, yeah up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, right, right, exactly. Whereas, by contrast, I remember one of the first tours we did over here in the States, we played in Salt Lake City, uh-huh. opening for Social D. Yeah, And uh, I was selling my own merch on the tour, and this couple came up to the merch table and said, hey, we just got here, we drove eight hours for the show, we're looking forward to your set. And I'd already played, and I was just like, hold on, first of all, you drove eight hours? Eight- fucking hours <laughs> to be here like from where and 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 it, they were from like montana or something yeah. i don't know like far away right and and, it, and this was the nearest show to them on the tour yeah uh and then secondly i was like you missed my show so i just got my guitar and went and played a show in the parking lot because it was like there's no way i'm letting you guys drive that far and not see something do you Red. know what i mean that's ridiculous yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get used to it. Like the first, the first full band tour I did in the States in 2010, my guys came over and we opened for Flogging Molly for a tour. Yeah. Um, and we were in an Econoline van with a trailer, and they were in a bus. And boy, there's a difference there. And so we were driving, and we had we had one crew member who was our tour manager, sound guy Casey, and then yeah. I was doing merch, and we were teching ourselves. Right. And um, that tour was like three months and it was this Ooh. absolute b- baptism of fire. Right. Because we were, we were driving eight, yeah, eight hours driving every day, um, staying in like two six people, staying in two rooms in a motel um, and living off like we had no money. We weren't getting paid much for the shows. And it was just the hardest work. And it was like when we got to the end of the tour as a collective unit, both personally and musically, it was like, okay, we made it. We're now different like we came back to the england and people were like holy shit you guys are better at what you do yeah um because we kind of survived this baptism of fire Yeah, you know of of of, of working out hard i mean it was great it was really fun and it was a, it's a very special memory for me but like boy boy was it rough from yeah. time to time
0: yeah there's a there's a fun story that i think uh, Lars Fredrickson tells about them going on tour with the ramones in like 96 and how Rancid had a tour bus, and the Ramones were, you know, they're like known for just having a van, the same van. And, uh, I guess Joey Ramone shit on Rancid's tour bus, like knowing what, <laughs> like knowing what was going to happen. But Rancid was just like, yeah, you can use the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking Joey Ramone. What are you going to do?
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, another thing, talking about Rancid, uh, you and Billy Bragg have done stuff together. Yeah. That's that's really cool. I didn't... Sorry, were you about to say something? No, no, no. Oh, yeah. The, I didn't... Uh, the first time I heard Billy Bragg, it was because Lars Fredrickson did that cover of The Haves and Have-Nots. And I was like, I didn't know that was a cover.
1: Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah, Yeah. Billy's, Billy's amazing. He's been a hugely supportive guy. Mm-hmm not just for me but like one of the things I really respect about him is that at his age and I don't mean to make him sound like a granddad but like at his age I think put it this way I read an interview once with Loudon Wainwright III he's one of my favourite songwriters and the interviewer asked him about a couple of like new bands and he was like I'm fucking 70 I don't care Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and that's kind of legit actually do you know what I mean yeah. like whereas by contrast, like Bill is so up on what's happening, and like he helped me out early doors, and he's always helping out younger, newer acts who are coming up and giving them supports and giving them slots on festival stages or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I really, really respect that. You know, it's there's a kind of um, there's a kind of hunger and a dedication there, which I think is really cool. Um, and he's just a lovely guy and a great writer as well. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and I think that. Well, I mean. To, to get into the weeds on this just for a second. For I mean, it. one of the things about Billy for me, which I found quite instructive as a writer, is that like, you know, there are occasionally political songs in my canon, but I've very early on stopped putting kind of stress on that because I saw Billy's career. And Billy is an intelligent and self-conscious man who's done this on purpose. And it's not like a criticism of him per se, but because he puts politics at the forefront of what he does, people evaluate him as a politician before they do it as a songwriter yeah and personally i think that's a shame because i think he's a phenomenal songwriter right and i think that for me some of his songs my favorite song of his is levi stubbs's tears oh, which so is good. sort of it's like semi-political but like even stuff like tank park salute and brick bat and songs like that though that's his kind of peak for me as a writer and people generally tend to not pay so, that much attention to those songs because politics is at the forefront of what he does yeah and for myself like you know I mean, it's funny I should say this while I'm sitting in a dressing room on a Counting Crows tour because, like, I've always wanted to be Adam Juritz a lot more than I ever wanted to be Billy Bragg. Um, and, I, and I say that with all the love and the wealth Billy Bragg, but it's like I'd love to be considered as a songwriter first and foremost, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. that's much more important to me than politics. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm an, I'm, I am I'm like to think that I'm a, an aware and informed citizen. For sure. Um, and, 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 you know, there are moments when that comes into my music, and that's fine, and that's my right, and it's the thing I enjoy doing from time to time. But first and foremost, I want to be known as and considered as a songwriter.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I guess, and like you're saying, no, um, not bashing Billy Bragg or anything, but that is a, a shame that like he gets thought of as like the political song guy. First. Well, but
1: this is it, you know. And like, if you go to a Billy Bragg show, particularly, I mean, I don't know how it is in the states, but in the UK, it's it's kind of like a Labour Party conference, right? Um, and and not only that, but, like, you know, the, the kind of the internecine feuding of the left, which is endemic in the UK, as I'm sure it is in, in the US, yeah. like, kind of quite, can quite often overshadow the music that's being played, yeah. you know, and, like... Um, For example, I mean, I did this Q&A thing with Billy one time before a show we did. It was like a benefit show. And some guy, you know, wearing like a Billy Bragg t-shirt, got up and was just like hounding Billy for the fact that there was this one election in 2010 where Billy suggested voting tactically for a different party to get the Tories out in a particular constituency, which happened incidentally to have been the intelligent thing to do because the Labour Party were never going to win in that constituency. But for certain people, not voting for the Labour Party is just like, is is, not going to not apostasy, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this guy, and this was this was a good six years after this election had taken place. And this <laughs> guy's on his feet, being like, "You betrayed the Labour Party," blah 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 blah. And I remember, and Billy handled it well, you know, and he argued his case and everything. And I remember sitting next to him, being like man if that guy was saying that to me I'd just tell him to go fuck himself do you know what I mean like and and you know it was but, it, but also the whole conversation was about politics as I say that's a choice that Billy has made consciously and that's what he wants yeah. to do and that's totally legit but I sat there on that day thinking to myself man I'm glad that that's not how my life goes because I that's not really I'm just not interested enough for yeah. it to be the central focus of every conversation that I have
0: yeah hmm yeah the hmm uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't think of. I'm trying to equate like an American guy. I don't know. Maybe I was gonna say Bruce Springsteen gets political, but not like that but that's the thing I
1: think I think that Bruce Springsteen t- t- treads the line very well yeah. and and like a bazillion other people I, he's somebody I find very inspirational but the contrast would be with someone like Phil Ox do you know what I mean who Phil Ox is, was a phenomenal songwriter but not only was he hyper political, but he was so specific in his song subjects and song matter and all the rest of it that from the vantage point of 2021, you kind of need a history degree to know what the fuck he's talking about. Right. Do you know what I mean? And and that's a shame to me because he was a brilliant writer.
0: Yeah. Isn't that, I think, isn't the isn't there a Billy Bragg song like The Ghost of Phil Ox or something? I can't yeah, remember. I think so. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But he
1: was great. He was, I mean, he was phenomenal. He was amazing. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. But Levi Stubbs, can't beat it.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I had the great fortune of duetting on that song with Bill at Glastonbury 1, yeah. Were you playing the um, trumpet part? Uh, <laughs> thankfully, no. Uh, no, I was just kind of, I, well, I I was kind of, I was a little bit like a like a spare wheel. I was I was just sort of doubling up the guitar part yeah. and singing
0: a harmony here and there. But it was very lovely of him to let me wow. join in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. Ooh. And another one. Well, this will be my last, this is my favorite Billy Bragg song. But he does that... Uh, that like spoken word bit over walk away renee
1: oh yeah this is ph- phenomenal just at the end of it crazy one day it happened yeah you cut your hair differently and i stopped loving you yeah i mean it's just it's and god damn it is that one of the truest lines ever spoken yeah and the, he's got
0: <laughs> another line it's like uh until the uh the bath water grew cold around me something like that i was like yeah, god yeah. damn it so good yeah yeah very good oh man uh mongol horde that's your, yes. your hardcore uh, jazz yeah, band. Yeah,
1: hardcore, n- yeah, noise rock, whatever you want to call it. I mean, who cares, uh, right? Um, yep. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's me, it's Ben, who was the guy I grew up with playing. And he was, that whole journey through hardcore and everything I was talking about earlier, he was like the one other guy who was interested. Mm-hmm. So um, we formed this band, Knee Joke when we were like 16 together, and then we yeah. were in Million Dead together. Um, and a big part of the reason for forming Manga Horde was that um, I... I I wanted to hang out with Ben more basically yeah. and we've been in bands together for so long that I've I never got into the habit of just calling him to hang out mm. so when Million Dead broke up I then didn't see him for like three years and it yeah. was like where's Ben like yeah. what the fuck is going on so we, we formed a new band just so that we could hang out but it's a lot of fun I mean it's um, it's not like a joke band but it's definitely not a particularly serious band yeah it's uh, our, our central rule for us as a band is that it has to be a laugh
0: yeah yeah, what's the? I saw the. Uh, I watched some videos. Blistering blue barnacles.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Which is a phrase from a Tintin book. Yeah. I don't. Do you have Tintin over there?
0: Uh, I've heard of Tintin. I
1: don't, I... Yeah, it's like a. It was a Belgian children's book, and and I read it a lot when I was a kid. And there's a character called Captain Haddock, mm. who shouts blistering blue barnacles at people all the time. So, um,
0: hence the song title. But uh, yeah, it's a song about um, being a pirate. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's some like I noticed there is some like nautical themes in some of your writing. Mm. Is that a yeah a conscious thing or
1: no, not really. It just kind of it.
0: I it's been pointed out that I talk about the sea and rivers and water yeah. a
1: lot in my writing. I mean, I uh, I guess it's an obsession of mine on some level. And in fact, I have finally put my money where my mouth is, and I just moved to an island. Yeah. Um. Uh. So I did. I mean, within within the United Kingdom, but um. <laughs> Uh, I now live on a beach basically um, and I get to yeah it's fucking sensational to wake up in the morning and be able to see the sea you know and it does it does it does excellent things for my mental health actually um Mm. uh, I find the sea extremely calming um and you know I have um uh, some reasonably severe issues with anxiety and stuff like that so it's uh to be able to yeah yeah uh (laughs) to be able to look at the sea uh, is something that that does good good things for that my wife Pointed this out some time ago. It's one of those things. I mean, we moved during the pandemic times, and it was one of those things. I think, like a lot of people, the the maybe one day became well, why not today? Do you know what I mean? Like, why are we, particularly given that London died in its ass, and I lived in London for 20 years, and it could just kind of cease to be London. It was like, well, why are we still paying this kind of money to live here? So we moved to an island, and it's it's sensational. I can't recommend it highly enough. That's cool.
0: Yeah, sea can be tranquil,
1: can also be angry it certainly can my main thing when I look at the sea I just think to myself that all of the things that are pissing me off in the world that could be pushed into the sea Ooh. and would then sink without a trace yeah, and then the sea would still be there and there's just that kind of mental thought process I find quite useful do you know what I mean yeah. it's just like
0: eh. <laughs> yeah I like uh, recently I got into watching like um uh seafloor documentaries of like mm. animal like fish living down there that like don't mm-hmm. see light and I oh was yeah like, right it's just such there's so much like uh i can see why like sailors thought there were monsters like literal monsters in the sea oh yeah totally
1: well there's that whole business that we know more about like the surface of the moon than we do about the deepest parts of the sea yeah which is kind of insane um and there's much more for us to learn, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you uh, do you boat
0: now that you're? On I, I
1: don't I don't. A lot of people say that a boat is a hole in the sea that you pour money into. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. uh, But the thing that we've realised is quite a lot of our neighbours have boats, and they all feel real guilty about the amount of money they've spent on a boat, and they're <laughs> desperate for other people to borrow them. So it's just like, sweet, I'll borrow your boat. That's oh no problem. man. Um, so that works. But it's also the greatest hangover cure known to man: is to just walk into the sea. You wake up in the morning feeling like shit. Just go and get in the sea; you'll feel better. Yeah.
0: Do you have a, like a captain's hat, or have you have you bought more like <laughs> Tommy Bahama type type shirts or anything?
1: Um, I mean, I had some Tommy Bahama shirts already. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I have a captain's hat actually that I was given by um, Jammin from Larry and his flask. If you know that band mm-hmm. from from the, the phenomenal punk band from Oregon, okay, and uh, he gave he always used to wear this captain's hat on stage, and that band is uh, sadly no longer a going concern. And he gave me his captain's hat, um, and I wear it uh,
0: on occasion, should we say? Yeah, <laughs> not um, every day, right? It's yeah, it's just you're walking around. It's not your walking around hat, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's, it's special occasions. Yeah, um, I also maybe i'm projecting but uh there's like some religious themes in in some of your lyrics um i would say there's religious imagery i mean i I am
1: yeah for whatever it's worth i'm an atheist but um uh you know not not particularly militantly so i couldn't really give a fuck what anybody else chooses to believe as long as they're not trying to proselytize in my direction have at it um uh but um my grandfather was a priest um and uh my mother is very religious i also believe pretty firmly that like to be able to interpret western culture of the last thousand years you need to have a working knowledge of the bible and indeed that applies to other cultures as well i think that it, at least a passing knowledge of like the the workings of islam is important for understanding the the beauties of muslim culture and uh, not, not that I have anything beyond a passing knowledge of, of, right. of Islam. But like, and similarly, um, you know, Buddhism, whatever else, like, you know, religion has played such a huge role in human history that it, you have to kind of like engage with it to some degree to, to be able to parse and interpret people's, not just sort of thoughts and behavior and actions and writing, but art as well. Mm-hmm. Um so but anyway, all of the, that's a very fancy sentence or two that right there. Um the I mean I do think that like yeah, religious imagery creeps into what I do, but um it's more just because uh I think that in the sixteenth and seventeenth century if you were a great writer you were probably gonna express that in a religious context. Mm. You know what I mean? The language of the King James version of the Bible is um John Wycliffe is uh is phenomenal and beautiful and is used by everybody from Dylan on down. So uh, so I'm uh, just sticking with that game.
0: Yeah. Um, are you reading anything now? Are you a big reader?
1: I'm a very big reader. Yeah, yeah I read a lot. Um, I'm currently reading a history of the early 1970s. Oh, are, are you a big uh, history
0: guy?
1: Yeah, I studied history when I went to college. Um, and uh, I studied Central and East European history. Um, but I'm pretty kind of omnivorous in my history tastes. Uh, with a special nod towards music history, I'm very interested in the history of my profession, you know. Yeah. Um, and and that, that extends to reading books about, like, artists that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of their music, but it's just interesting to know about their career, do you yeah. know what I mean, and, and about how that went down or whatever. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, I, I am actually a fan of this person, but, like, next on my reading list is a, is a, is a, bar- a new biography of Nico. Um, which uh, a friend of mine wrote and sent in my direction. So, um, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I find history fascinating. Ni- Nico, um, like
0: Velvet Underground, Nico. Yes. Oh, yeah,
1: cool. yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. Mm. Is is there uh, another uh, person that maybe you weren't like a? Uh, you weren't oh well yeah of, I mean like
1: I mean I read Rod Stewart's autobiography. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I, I can't say I'm a huge fan of his work, but it was interesting to read. Yeah. Um, you know, and I read the Phil Collins book. Um, and I read, uh, I actually, I recently read a biography of Guns N' Roses, which is a band that I really, really, really dislike. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, I, I remember all of that kind of happening when I was a kid. Yeah. And it was interesting to read more about what actually went down behind the scenes and everything. Mm-hmm. I kind of still think they're assholes, but, um, yeah. uh, but it was interesting to have the details and the ways in which that they were assholes in, yeah. in, the, in the late 80s and early 90s.
0: Yeah. Um, vh1's uh behind the music played a big role in my my childhood um uh, mm. and there they, you know there's a metallica episode and they talk about the incident in st louis i can't remember where but guns and roses canceled like 30 minutes before their set and the the crowd just like tore the arena apart
1: yeah 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 sure sure yeah i'm a, I'm a big big old metallica fan as well so yeah.
0: have you seen them live
1: uh, I've seen them live uh, once yeah but in fact it was the time when Joey Jordison and Dave Lombardo filled in on drums because Lars uh, wasn't well oh, it, wow. was at, uh, it was at a, a festival in the UK and I happened to be there and it was sensational um, that said I mean I'm not sure I'm not sure quite how on the whole Lars bashing bandwagon I am in general anyway um, uh, you know uh, i mean he he's i think he's a limited drummer but he's also the, been the driving force of probably the biggest metal band in history and that's kind of inarguable yeah
0: yeah that's true uh he's got a weird i, I love his accent it's just it's just enough <laughs> of an accent to where it's like you know he sounds a little silly but not crazy uh, yeah,
1: yeah yeah totally he um I, I know people who have encountered him as in um like he's got He's he's very much like Billy Bragg. He's very kind of dialed into kind of newer bands and younger mm-hmm. bands and that kind of thing. And I know people who've kind of encountered him in that context who have nothing but good things to say about the guy. So
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw they they'll play a bunch on like Howard Stern. And I saw recently they played with Miley Cyrus on Howard Stern. Huh. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it pretty cool. Uh, um, is are there any newer like hardcore bands? younger hardcore bands that you're into uh, right
1: now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I should preface this by sort of stating that I'm, like, completely not, like, dialed into the scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I got that new Turnstile record. Oh, so is, good. Yeah, very, very, very good hardcore record. Um, uh, I'm not sure whether they qualify as a hardcore band, but I'm a big fan of The Armed. Uh, I think they're sensational. And then, like, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm pretty long-term obsessed with um, Converge Right. Uh, and every and every time I die, neither oh, yeah. of which are kind of new hardcore bands, but mm. they're also they are still going concerns as bands, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of their work, so yeah. um, uh, I, I tend to try and keep up with what those guys are doing. Um, but I mean, I you know I go through my phases. I mean, recently I've been listening to a lot of death metal and black metal, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is a, a genre that I have a kind of a, a, a toe dipped in that water. Yeah, um, I've been listening to Necrophagist quite a lot lately, which is uh, <laughs> completely insane um, uh, in a way that I really enjoy. Actually, the other one that's worth a mention and I would I would I would uh, hesitate to try and genre specify this artist but have you come across Lingua Ignota?
0: Mm -mm.
1: Oh, boy. Set aside an hour of your time and listen to Lingua Ignota um, because uh, she will um Uh, rearrange your thinking about music as a concept I mean and it's like it's sort of it's choral and it's classical but it's also kind of death metal and it's also kind of noise and there's a bit of godspeed kind of vibes thrown Mm -hmm. in there Um, and as far as I can tell it's one person doing all of it but I'm not 100% sure about that because information is pretty limited um, that I can find but yeah lingua ignota is like mind bending
0: have you ever so you kind of like Your your musical projects, they kind of they're not all over the place, but they explore different things. Like, is is there a a a genre that you've thought about doing a project for that you haven't done yet? Uh,
1: Well, there is there is a project that I've been working on for nearly a decade now (laughs) with a friend of mine, and uh, and it's mainly because we're both busy doing other shit. Right. Um, But this guy is my oldest friend. I've known him since I was three years old. And we formed our first band together when we were 10. Yeah. Um, playing ACDC and Nirvana covers. And um, he is deep in the world of, like, demented, fucked up electronic music. Like, um, <laughs> kind of, Warp Records, Aphex Twin, that sort of shit. Okay. And um, we've been working on a thing together for a long time. I... Uh, all being well it'll it will finally come out next year but in fairness i have been saying that for some time so yeah. <laughs> um but uh it's uh it's really really seriously fucked up and I'm, I'm i'm excited for people to hear that fucked
0: up in a in a fun way
1: oh yeah totally <laughs> totally but like it's 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 um it's deliberately uncomfortable okay. let's put it that way I gotcha. do you know what i mean yeah. like it's uh it's not easy listening yeah <laughs> i'll say this my my, my wife hates it um, and uh when we've been working on mixes, I have to do it on oh. headphones.
0: Oh Jesus that I love it. I'm excited yeah. for it. this this might yeah. be your uh I know you say you don't like guns and roses, but this is like your Chinese democracy like <laughs> it's coming out, man I swear it's coming out.
1: Oh boy, I hope it's I hope it's better than Chinese. Oh, products. I'm sure it
0: will be. Oh man, okay uh I've got do you want to do a bit? I came up with a little bit. okay. I'm a bits guy. Love bits. Okay, let's um, do a bit I'm gonna, I don't. It's nothing crazy, you know. We're just, you know. Uh, so I came up. I'm gonna pitch you some collaborations, mm-hmm. uh, and we can just work through what might be the best for you. Okay. okay. Um, the first group, the the power duo I came up with, um, can I be Frank? And it's a Frank Ocean collab.
1: Um, you and frank ocean i i'm not super familiar with frank ocean's music Mm -hmm. but um i'm gonna talk about this carefully i've encountered him professionally okay should we say and uh did not have a good experience i'm
0: sure i'm sure he's yeah tough to get along with he seems like a very artsy like don't talk to me type of dude maybe
1: um a friend of mine was on his crew and she is no longer on his crew okay and I think I should probably leave that there. Okay, that's fine. But, maybe, um,
0: I, maybe, let yeah. me, I, I I had a secondary Frank uh, uh, that in case something like this happened. Uh, okay, it's still going to be Can I Be Frank? But yeah. th- it's with uh, Frank Stallone.
1: I don't know who Frank Stallone is.
0: Uh, Sylvester Stallone's brother.
1: <laughs> that, that I'm sold on. Okay, yeah. I, ca- I can't imagine that that wouldn't be sensational. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Frank Stallone, uh, he's got like a music career. It's just, you know. Really? It's that's it's, that's. I did not know that. Is it, it any good? It's not good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the bad karate guy? The, wow, uh, oh, shit. What's his name? Um, what the fuck? From Karate Kid? No, no, no. He's. I can't even think. Everybody makes fun of him now. He goes to Russia and does demonstrations. Oh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. You know Steven Seagal yeah, yeah. does bad, music. The bad, the bad karate guy. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't think of Steven Seagal, but you know Steven Seagal's got records out there. That... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Sure, sure.
0: Uh, okay. So next one is a. Uh, it's not a music. This is more like a movie, maybe short series type type of deal. Uh-huh. Uh, this is called Frankenbeans, where. Uh, a frank turner and mr bean uh like buddy cop movie <laughs> yeah fuck it i'm in
1: i mean uh i i love rowan atkinson a lot right. i mean I, I i'd hesitate to say that mr bean was my favorite thing that he's done mm-hmm. but at the same time I, I respect it um but yeah sure i'm in sign me up
0: what are, what like so he's more of like a an english uh in in that yeah, bubble he, so like what's he some was, other stuff he did he, he
1: was wildly famous in england before he did mr bean um probably the biggest thing he did um was a thing called blackadder which is a sort of historical comedy okay um and it's absolutely incredible and i heartily recommend like everybody of certainly everybody my age in england like our entire kind of um library of quotes if you know what i mean comic quotes pretty much all comes from blackadder it's absolutely amazing yeah um and that was his kind of vehicle so um yeah he's 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 a and he was he did a bunch of stuff for that his early stand-up from like the 80s is worth checking out as well he was a very funny man i'll check it out yeah
0: yeah i mean we get like you know every once in a while there'll be like a bbc show on netflix or something over here Mm -hmm. and so we just get like bits and pieces of like I just like I remember when first hearing about like the Mighty Boosh, I had to like download episode like torrent episodes. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Yeah, Bo- Boosh is amazing. It's Boosh great. Is
0: fucking great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, third one is a uh, a cover band, the Frank Turner Overdrive, a Bachman Turner Overdrive.
1: I, I I'm I'm sold. Uh, great band. I actually did a live stream um, in. March this year with uh, my friend Emily Barker, who's an Australian folk singer who lives okay. in the UK, and it, we called it Barker Turner Overdrive. Oh shit! Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm possibly a step
0: ahead of you there. Damn it! Oh, I didn't do enough research. Damn it! Okay, uh, those are the three that I came up with this morning. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm sold
1: on. Let's do all of them. Fuck it. Okay,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put you down for all of them. Okay, cool. I'll get you. I'll I'll write something up formally and send it over to you. Uh. Well, yeah, we've done like 50 minutes, man. Um, I appreciate your time. Do you have any uh, any closing things to say? or? Uh, yeah, I mean, just
1: it's been a pleasure, and um, I'm excited to be in the States now, and we're going to be back here again next year um, with the, the new record to be out in February, and um, then we'll be hitting the road hard, and it's a record that's designed to be played in like, packed sweaty rooms oh yeah um and uh i'm, I'm looking forward to, to bringing that over here oh yeah next year
0: cool. well uh stay on for a second but frank you had options but you decided to talk to me i appreciate it it's my pleasure